morning, the Old Testament reading for today is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 25, verses 6 through 9. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, a rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is from Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. 
But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're speaking about a wedding today, and I, I went and looked and found that uh, one wedding that's often cited as the most opulent and extravagant in modern history is the wedding of Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid al Maktoum. I don't know if you recognize that name or not. Uh, the ruler of Dubai, married to Princess Salama, that's a lot easier, in 1981. Here are some details about this lavish wedding. The wedding was attended by over 20,000 guests, including heads of state, royalty, and dignitaries from around the world. It's one of the largest guest lists ever for a wedding. What's surprising is that it's listed in a group that's, this is one of the largest guest lists. Well, <laughs> there must be other large guest lists like this. It's amazing. Uh, the wedding celebrations lasted for seven days, featuring various events, banquets, and entertainment. The venue, the wedding took place at the Dubai World Trade Center. You can go online and look at it. It's quite a building. It was transformed into a luxurious venue for the occasion. The venue was decorated elaborately with extravagant floral arrangements, ornate seating, grand chandeliers, the decor was reported to be stunning. Guests received lavish gifts, including gold and jewelry, as part of their attendance at the wedding. The entertainment included performances by world-renowned artists, musicians, and dancers. The wedding celebrations concluded with a spectacular fireworks display. And it was reportedly at a, at a cost of 100 million US dollars. How do you decide who to invite if your guest list is 20,000? What do you think, dear? Now let's limit it to 20,000. Okay, let's start making a list. How do you do that? I don't know. Who do you keep off the list? Who do you invite to attend? And Jesus talks about invitations to a wedding party, to a feast. 
And the parable that Jesus speaks talks about who is worthy and who is not worthy of this feast. So in the parable, a king is putting on this wedding feast for his son and he sends out what I imagine would be pretty ornate invitations, right? Probably printed online. Uh, invitations to his friends, to the powerful, to the wealthy, those in his kingdom who would, he would want to be there with him to celebrate the marriage of his son to his beautiful bride. And the king makes all the preparations. The, the palace is cleaned spotlessly from top to bottom. Everything's shined up. The grounds are, are cut, are made immaculate. Every delicacy is lovingly prepared. The very best wine is brought up out of the cellar. And when everything is just right, everything is ready, then the king sends out his servants, it sounds like individually, to those whom he had invited to let them know that everything's ready, come on to the feast. And one by one then, the servants return to the king with the news that this person, that person that the king had invited has refused the invitation. The king can't believe it. And he sends out more servants, and these servants don't even come back. And maybe this time a letter comes by Camel Post, formerly known as Snail Mail. Thank you very much for your thoughtful invitation to attend the upcoming wedding feast of the royal prince. Unfortunately, I will be at my desert property on that day as I have some new goats to look over. Otherwise, I would surely be there. I'm sure it will be a great occasion. Please convey my regrets to the prince and extend my warm congratulations to the happy couple. P.S. I have killed your servants. It'd be a little shocking. Wouldn't that be a little shocking to us? It's supposed to be shocking. The parable that Jesus speaks is shocking. And he's talking to those who are in opposition to God's work. Opposition to the Son who has come to prepare the feast in opposition to what God is doing in his Christ. And these people are people who are in charge of God's people. They're supposed to be leading God's people, preparing them to welcome the bridegroom when he comes. But instead, they're just out to, for themselves, out to enrich themselves, make a name for themselves and a place. Jesus says, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention. And they went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. So this is more than just a slight, uh, you know, uh, not uh, answering the summons, not uh, RSVPing after the invitation came, this is a full-handed slap in the face to the king. And the king is angry, and he sends troops, and he destroys the murderer, those murderers, and he burns their city. But it's more than just a story. It's a prediction, because this is a historical event that has happened. Those invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb did refuse, many of them. They did treat their prophets shamefully, 
and they even killed God's son. And in AD 70, Rome came and destroyed the city and burned it. And uh, Josephus, this uh, Jewish historian, witnessed this, witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem. And he writes that no one who had known the city would have recognized it afterward. Then the king said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. And the word in there that I want us to take a look at is this word that's translated as main roads. He sends his servants out to the main roads. What are those main roads? The Greek word is diexodus. Diexodus is probably how you'd say it. We hear that word exodus there. Diexodus, main roads. This is most likely referring to the place where the roads go through the wall of the city, through the gate. And the king then is sending his servants to those places because in those places they are most likely to find the blind, the lame, the poor, the widow, the dregs of society, these people who cannot support themselves and they are there at the main gates, the main roads begging for support from people, begging for money. But instead of money this day they are receiving from the king's messengers an invitation, an envelope. They open it up, they pull it out, they can't believe their eyes. What? This must be misdirected, right? This is, a, is this the bright postmark? Is this coming to my house? An invitation to the wedding feast of the prince in the castle, the kingdom. And now the wedding hall is filled with the helpless and the poor and the ugliest of society. So we notice here that those who are originally invited, the wealthy, the influential, the powerful, they are not worthy. Then the hall is filled with the dregs of society, with the lowest, and they are worthy. And then there's one, right, a wedding crasher, He's found in the hall, and he's not worthy, and he's thrown out. Jesus said to the Jews in an exchange just before our reading today, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. Those who are worthy are those who believe him, those who believe in God's Christ, those who believe his words, those who believe that he came for them, those who believe that he is the Son of God sent in Adam's flesh to redeem Adam's flesh. Those in the parable who were invited did not believe. 
They did not believe the invitation. Otherwise, surely, they would have gone to this opulent feast with the king. It's as though they said, ah, this can't be right. It's a hoax, right? They didn't believe it. But the poor, the needy, the dregs of society, they believe and they come to the feast. The prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners of this world, these are the ones who are invited. Jesus said, I came to save sinners. Right? He said, a physician doesn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. All those who recognize their need of forgiveness, those who rely on God, who trust in God, these are the ones who believe and who accept God's gracious invitation. So I ask you, have you sinned this week? Have you been angry with your spouse or with your child or with your parents? Have you disrespected your parents or had lustful thoughts? Have you been less than honest or have you been downright dishonest? Have you talked about others in an unflattering way? Have you been dissatisfied with what you have and longed for what God has not given you? Have you in any way transgressed God's holy law? And of course, <laughs> we all have. This isn't new to any of us, right? Have you, have you been baptized? Have you had your sins washed away in that blessed flood? And have you been crucified with Christ? Have you come today to confess your sins and to receive God's absolution? Do you intend to come to the Lord's table today, sorry for each of your sins and pleading with God for mercy because Christ's body was broken and blood was shed for you? Have you received then the pure and the spotless wedding garment, the robe of Christ's righteousness in exchange for your own filthy rags? You too then, stand in the wedding hall of the king. By faith now, but physically, one day, in that wedding hall with the king. Better than the Dubai World Trade Center. Better than it could ever be. Worth more to you than the gold and jewels presented to the guests there. Much greater gifts are given to you. You stand not just with 20,000 guests but with millions, thousands upon thousands in joyful songs, singing praise, giving honor to God, to the God who loved you, to the one who sent his son for you, gave himself for you and clothed you with the wedding garment. Verse 11 says, But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him into the outer darkness. 
In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. See, the temptation is to rely on ourselves, to rely on our own clothing, on our good intentions, or on our outward show of religious sincerity and piety to convince God, but maybe really to convince ourselves that God is happy with us, that God would love to have us there with him in heaven, that we are in God's good graces by our own clothing. But Jesus is very clear in this parable. Only those who are wearing the wedding garment are worthy to be there. Only those who are clothed with the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ can participate in that wedding feast. And that robe he offers to everybody freely. And the understanding that God has done it, that he has accomplished all of our salvation in Christ Jesus, this is what brings such joy to us, to Christians, even in the midst of this difficult life, this hard world. So that Paul can write, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And he writes that, of course, from prison. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything he writes from prison. But let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God from prison. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This peace from God is above our understanding. How we can rejoice in the midst of our trials here on earth because we know that we have a Savior who gave himself for us, a God who loves us so much that he would come and find us, that he would find you at the main road, that he would find you poor and needy and would forgive your sins and give you the robe of righteousness. It's so easy to be distracted in this life by all the little things that happen. And I know some of the little things seem really big, seem really terrific, and I don't want to minimize that because people are hurting, people are in pain, uh, people have great sadness, loneliness, all kinds of things, but in the grand scheme of things, in the scheme, in the grand scheme of eternity, at the wedding feast in heaven, what's really important and Satan wants to distract us from what's important. He wants us to take our, take our eyes off of Christ, take our eyes off of the cross, take our eyes off of the empty tomb, and look at this thing that's happening to me today, and look at that thing that's happening to me tomorrow, or this ongoing thing that's, that's, that I have happening to me. Satan wants you to focus on that and take your eyes off of Jesus and off of what he's done for you Satan wants to rob you of the peace that is there. Wants to rob you of the joy that you have 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's like the invitation that you put on your refrigerator for the wedding and at first you look at it every day and you say, I'm so excited about that wedding. I got to get a gift. I got to get a card. I got to think about clothing. I'm going to go. It's going to be so wonderful. And a week later, you're passing it, you're looking for milk, you know, this and that, and you're not really thinking about that so much anymore. Satan wants to distract us from the true joy that is ours in Christ. So where did God's invitation find you? How did you come to be invited to the feast? In a few moments, we'll be confessing our faith. We'll say, I believe. How did you come to believe? Was it through your baptism? Where faith was first given to you as a gift? Where the Holy Spirit first indwelt you? Did you then grow up in the church? Your faith increasing as you heard the word of God? As you worshipped? Participated in the sacrament? Did you hear the call of the gospel as an adult, the good news of Christ's redemption, his death, his resurrection for you. No matter how it came to you, either way, it is quite a gift that has been given to you. This is a parable that Jesus tells. This is a parable of terrible judgment, but it's also a parable of inconceivable grace that God would go out there into the streets to find you, dead in your trespasses and sins, invite you to the wedding feast, that a, that a righteous and just God would give you a robe of righteousness in exchange for your filthy rags, your, your sin-stained crimson clothing, that he would remove your sins from you, offer you this white robe of righteousness unexpectedly, undeservedly, that he would invite you and me to the marriage feast of his son. This is God's favor gifted to you. This is his great love for you. And this is his amazing grace. In the name of Christ, amen. amen. Now may that peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.